0: Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, for those of you who don't know, which looks like all of maybe two of you, at least there are two faces I don't recognize. My name's Jake Mensel. I'm the college pastor here at Clearnote Church. Um, I helped start a campus ministry to Indiana, Indiana University in the fall of 2007. So that would have been what five years ago now. Um, and since then, the church has taken me on and hired me to be the full, full-time college pastor. Now, this breakout session is titled, Fatherhood on Campus, What Every Father Needs to Know. So, just for my sake, uh, how many of you are fathers of college students? In one month. And so, and it, it almost fathers of co- college students, or fathers of almost college students, rather? Yeah, Nick, okay. Okay. Um, So I'm assuming the rest of you are here uh, because you're single people who didn't know where else to go. (laughs) No, I see a lot of educators here actually, or a lot of university affiliated people. Um, So in the introduction to his 1987 book, how many of you, oh, thanks. You guys, this is gonna be scatterbrained and I'm sorry. How many of you have seen or read this book? Or part of it at least? Okay. If you're going to read it, read the introduction. That'll be helpful enough to you. Um, In the introduction to his 1987 book, The Closing of the American Mind, Alan Bloom writes this, quote, Every educational system has a moral goal that it tries to attain and that informs its curriculum. It wants to produce a certain kind of human being. Every educational system has a moral goal. Alan Bloom is writing this as a, a secular Jewish homosexual, okay? Every educational system has a moral goal that it tries to attain and that informs its curriculum. It wants to produce a certain kind of human being. Bloom goes on in his book to write that the kind of man in the educational system seeks to produce is most frequently determined by the political regime that dominates the nation. Every nation, quote, needs citizens who are in accord with its fundamental principle, end quote. The chief enemy of democracy, according to Bloom, and of a pluralistic society, is the man who is not open to everything, affirming of everything, tolerant of everything. Therefore, quote, the point of the modern educational system is to propagandize acceptance of different ways, end quote. And the best way to achieve that goal is by cultivating indifference to ideas. Does that make sense? Cultivating indifference to ideas. In other words, ideas don't matter. Convictions don't matter or mean anything. cultivating a complete lack of conviction. The central virtue of American education is Rodney King's Can't We All Just Get Along? Can't We All Just Get Along? It's assumed uncritically by the intelligentsia of our time and force-fed to our children from kindergarten on. It's taken uncritically because it justifies our rebellion against God. Now, feel free to interrupt me at any time because I may say things that are packed or may not make sense to you. So raise your hand and say, what you just said doesn't make any sense. Could you like be an effective communicator please and speak in English? (laughs) You can do that, that's okay, I won't be offended. So is everybody tracking with me so far? Now I agree with Bloom, okay? And the modern university, my claim is that the modern university is central to this goal. The modern university receives students at a very critical time of life. They're coming into their own. They're maturing. 18, 19 years old. They're vulnerable. And their trusting parents have handed them over to specialists who are experts in fitting their children to be successful in the modern world. The modern university takes this role very, very seriously. Its first object, then, is to take advantage of the vulnerability of its students and to assert its superiority to their parents and their churches. Stick itself right in the middle. The indoctrination happens immediately. It begins right away from the very, very beginning. When students start attending classes, they sit under the authority of their professors who are the priests of our society. And those professors begin immediately chipping away at what they say are the prejudices their students bring with them from their homes and from their backgrounds. And their stated goal is to liberate students from their prejudices. To free their students to think independently. Which does what? Leaves their students free-falling in a world of relativity. Without a tether to anything except for their free-thinking professor. Now, are you tracking with me so far? What does this mean? What am I saying? Brainwashing. Brainwashing. That's one way to put it. But why? It gives them a lot of power. And to what end? Right so here's the here's the question right freed from what prejudices to absorb what prejudices right free from what presuppositions to embrace what other presuppositions
1: absolute
0: truth well it's to reject, yeah, to reject all claims to absolute truth. To embrace a relative view of the world. The tactics of the university extend beyond curriculum and into culture. Listen to what uh, Miriam Grossman says in her book Unprotected. We have this book uh, for sale out there. Uh, we're not making any money off of it. Um, she originally published this book anonymously. She is a campus psychiatrist at Cornell, okay? And she's a Jew and a secular one. So again, not a Christian. I contend that radical social social ideologies are to blame for the downfall of our youth, especially when they've spread from the classroom to the counseling center. I once assumed campus medicine and psychology had one priority, student well-being. I'm no longer so naive. Radical politics pervades my profession and common sense has vanished. Not long ago, a psychiatrist might call casual sexual activity mindless and empty. Before political correctness muzzled our nation in the 90s, a campus physician might advise a student that it is love and lifelong fidelity that bring joy and liberated sensuality and provide the best insurance against sexually transmitted diseases. An unwanted pregnancy and abortion, these were weighty issues. We understood that men and women are profoundly different and weren't afraid to say so. It was clear that liaisons outside a committed relationship could be hazardous and a young woman would be wise to wait until someone serious came along. A sexually transmitted infection, even one easily cured, was a serious matter. Self-restraint built character, and character was something to strive for. Certain behaviors were abnormal, and those who practiced them needed help. Traditional marriage and parenthood were valued milestones. To search for meaning and to make sacrifices for a higher purpose, these were noble endeavors that defined our humanity. Things have changed. Now young people are advised to use latex and have a, number, a limited number of partners as opposed to an unlimited number. There is tacit approval of promiscuity and experimentation. One study of college students speaks of primary and casual sex partners. Infection with one of the sexually transmitted viruses is a rite of passage. It comes with the territory. Abortion is the removal of unwanted tissue, sort of like a tonsillectomy. Campus counselors urge students to get enough sleep, eat right, exercise, and make time for themselves. Clubs funded by student fees celebrate risky fringe behaviors. Young, and we're talking BDSM stuff. Young women think motherhood can be delayed indefinitely. Women's health teaches them only about preventing pregnancy. Traditional marriage and a mother and father are just one option. There are other alternatives, all equally valid. These changes are the result of social agendas foisted on the campus community, and in my work at the counseling center, I see the consequences daily. Dangerous behaviors are a personal choice, judgments are prohibited, they might offend. Students have gender-free partners. What difference does it make whether male or female? Attendance at a multiculturalism workshop to increase my sensitivity and inclusivity and confront my sexism, racism, and homophobia is mandatory. When lesbians have a child, it's time to celebrate, but when Catholics or Mormons have their sixth, that's well kind of extreme in the eyes roll. Staff are encouraged to attend a meeting featuring a transgendered person and his therapist who describes the journey from female to male. The mental health benefits of church attendance are never discussed. Instead, a past president of the American Psychological Association declares organized religions a major source of social injustice. A committee of that organization is worried about what I think and how I speak. They advise me to never assume that a patient is heterosexual or that sexual activity might lead to pregnancy. I should avoid thinking of men and women as opposites, as in opposite sex. I should not use this term, the committee cautions, to avoid polarization. I cannot do my job. My patients are suffering, and I am fed up. And this book is an exposure of how the political correctness agenda on campuses is destroying students. Yeah, Eric. What is the title? Unprotected, originally published under the name Anonymous M.D., now published under the name Miriam Grossman. So So Jay, what's the what's the reason for that? Is this the, the Satan attacking this is the way Satan attacking the culture? Or is there underlying if you say universities as this, this kind of goal or purpose Yeah, so Bloom says Bloom says uh, educational uh, institutions or systems are intrinsically moral, right? And then he says that, well, uh, the most dominant force behind them is uh, the political regime. What Bloom fails to recognize, because he's a part of the system, is that behind every ideology, even behind every political regime, is a god, a small g god that informs everything. Right? And so, yeah, Nick, Satan is behind behind everything. But this is a, this is. A, what what we have to understand and get into our heads is something that Tim says very, very frequently, which is that authority is kind of like energy. You can't create it. You can't destroy it. It can only be transferred. When you move it from its proper sphere, when you uh, remove God from his place, something or someone has to step up and fill the void. And in our world, in our country, that something is the state. That is making a massive power grab for into all spheres of life. Okay, so of course Bloom thinks, well, yeah, the state, uh, political regimes, right? He thinks that way, but he thinks that way because uh, the secular, the religion of secularism, is what informs his thinking. Now, does that make sense? Okay. Now, where was I? Recommending books. Recommending books. Now, uh, this book is helpful, and the reason the book's helpful is because it goes through and it just details for you in very explicit detail how political correctness muzzles and destroys, muzzles those on campus with a conscience and destroys destroys students. Okay? And so she goes through just case after case after case of the, uh, the Mormon grad student who was uh, um, trying to have their sixth kid, and the doctor simply said, no, I'm not going to, I forget what the issue, there was some uh, medical, I- she was on a medication, she was on a medication of some kind, and she needed to switch medications so that she could get pregnant again or something like that. The doctor refused to do it. But um, she's not allowed to talk to students considering an abortion about the psychological effects or the guilt effects afterwards. She's not allowed to do that. Um, So just all kinds of things like that throughout the course of the book that are just painful um, but very, very instructive. When students arrive on campus at Indiana University, um, I know a couple of you aren't from around here, when they arrive on campus at at Indiana University, one of the first things they're treated to is a sex talk right away. A sex talk. And then a lecture on the diversity of our campus and the expectations that the university has of your students or of you students is very, very clear from the very, very beginning. And then students get tricked into attending a gay drag fest, right? And they're tricked into attending it because it's, it's culture fest. It's where everybody goes. You're, like, funneled there to go there. And the central feature of it is a gay drag show. But nobody tells you that it's a gay drag show. It's Miss Indiana IU, or it's actually Miss Gay IU. But even that is not billed. So you have these men parading around as women, and you're allowed to watch and to be attracted to them because they're dressed up as women after all, and you don't find out till the end that you've actually been looking at women. Disgusting. And then you, if you're in the dorms, will be given complimentary condoms your first night in the dorms. At IU. Absolutely, yeah. This is
2: publicized.
0: Nobody knows about it. Oh, I, I don't know if it's publicized or not, but I, I can tell you that that's what my students tell me. Yeah, you know, we had our first dorm meeting Sunday night, and they gave us all condoms, you know. Um, and it's not just at IU. It's all over the country. I, um Joseph Bailey, who's, I think, is he teaching another session right now, or did he teach in the morning? I can't remember. He was in the morning. He was an RA at Vanderbilt, and uh, he tells a story of how, um, as an RA, he got in trouble after a drunk girl came onto his guys-only floor, and he encouraged her to leave because he said it was unsafe for her, he, got, he was disciplined for telling her it was unsafe for her to be drunk and on a floor of only guys because it's blaming the victim if something were to happen to her. She can't be held responsible if some guy does something to her while she's drunk lying naked, half naked, on the bathroom floor of his, of his hall. That's all just the first week on campus, okay? Fortunately, there are good campus ministries out there that are ready to help your children find their way through, right? Yes and no. Not necessarily. The problem is that most, and I would say most, campus ministries are unwitting contributors to the central problems. They find it very much in their own interest to play nice with the agendas of the university. And they find it very much in their own interest to borrow from the university's approach. If you were to go to uh, the largest Meeting of uh, campus ministry on IU, you would hear every Thursday night a testimony from a student talking about how stupid their parents are and how stupid their parents' church is and how they've really come to love life and to, and to know God and to enjoy their college life because of this campus ministry. and it's just every week, every week, every week, every week. Now, what's the problem with that? Something about honoring your father. And mother. Something about honoring your father and mother. What's the problem with it? It's a transfer of authority. They do the exact same thing the university does, which is come in at a vulnerable time in a student's life and say your parents are stupid, your home church is stupid. It's dead and it's lifeless, and we have real life, and we're embracing the college life, and it's fun and it's, ex- and it's exciting and it's vital and it's here and it's now. And what and it is true that students come to college and they come uh, to churches and to campus ministries from. Uh, Lifeless backgrounds where there's no uh, true religion and there's no solid church. But it's not always true. It's not always true. The allegiance of students should not be is it my parents or is it my campus minister? Is it my parents or is it my professor? The allegiance of students should be to God, to their parents, to their pastors, and to their professors insofar as it's appropriate. But it doesn't honor God and it doesn't help a student to feed into their rebellion against their parents and the rejection of their parents. Because it just so happens that it's a natural process of maturity that When your kid, when Elliot goes off to Vanderbilt, he's going to have to grow up in a way that he didn't have to grow up under his parents' house, under his parents' roof. He's going to have to embrace the faith for himself in a way that he wasn't made to before. And it doesn't matter how mature Elliot was before he left. It, didn't matter. it doesn't matter how much Elliot had embraced his faith for his own before he left. Something changes when he steps out on his own. And he's under fire on his own. He has to grow up. He has to mature. And if I am his campus minister, it is irresponsible of me to tell Elliot, well, shoot, this is because the growth you're experiencing now, all of a sudden as a freshman in college, is because your parents were stupid and your home church was stupid. And it's because of me. Does that make sense to you? We I had a student just this past fall who 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 This is about the best response you could get as a campus minister. He comes to school as a freshman, he's coming to life, and Thanksgiving's approaching. And he says, You know, I really feel like I've come alive spiritually. I really feel like I'm growing, maybe for the first time ever. I'm really excited to go home and to see what my home church is like. He said, I I don't know what it's going to be like. it, it, is it as dead as I remember it, or did I just think it was dead because I was dead spiritually? <laughs> Are my parents alive spiritually, like I, I or, or or am I, was I just dead spiritually and you know unwilling to listen? You know I don't know what his church is. Some church out in the middle of Illinois. I have no idea you know but he's got a deference right to where he's come from to his parents and to his parents church a, a respect a, and it may be that he uh, he went home and he found out you know what it, it may be that he talked to his pastor and he realized he's going to this like liberal retarded church and But it may be that he went home and realized he was a part of a great church and he just didn't know it because his eyes were closed and his ears were shut and his heart was dead. So campus ministries often contribute to a rejection of authority just as professors do, just as the culture of universities do, which is all a rejection of the fatherhood of God expressed in its prop- proper spheres. And in the end, what you're left with, see if I can make this come alive over here. shut up. Hey, shut up. <laughs> all right, I'm just going to give up on it, okay? You get the point. Most of you have already seen this clip. How many of you, do any of you not know what this is or what it's from? I know what it's from. You know what it is? You know what it is? No. Okay. This is a uh, lecture series that we had on campus here at IU, uh, featuring Doug Wilson, who's a pastor of Christ Church Moscow. Um, And it wasn't very welcome. (laughs) So uh, the lecture series was called Sexual by Design. It was on God's design for our sexuality, and uh, there were about 350 to 400 people there, and most of them were there to interrupt, to create havoc and chaos. Free speech. And to promote free speech.
1: <laughs> we respect free speech!
0: But this is hate speech! Is hate speech. <laughs> A safe space for everyone, except for you. <laughs> This is what we're left with.
2: You can
3: find that
0: on YouTube. Yeah, you can find that on YouTube. Actually, just go to... Uh, if you go to the campus ministry website, com, you can uh, find the trailers and the full videos. Or if you go to Tim's blog, baileyblog.com, you can find it there as well. So it's the easiest way to find the trailers and the full videos of the lectures. And uh, you should watch them because... It's instructive. Um, when, when tolerance is the central virtue, the only thing that can't be tolerated it, is conviction. Is conviction. The
1: interesting thing about it too was afterwards the, that crowd was... And not all of them, but some of them were more mad at themselves. <laughs> at how ridiculous they acted. Yeah. And, like they were almost infighting over... They were
0: the- almost infighting. It was full-blown infighting. Yeah. It was how ridiculous. How they
1: made themselves look. How did you yeah. do that? Was that the discussion afterwards with them?
0: Well, there were public discussions on Facebook and on on websites in the comment section and they're just attacking each other. We were so stupid. We were so infantile. Okay. I'm so embarrassed.
1: No, we did what was necessary.
0: No, we didn't. We just came away looking like retards. And he looked like the bigger man. We lost. <laughs> and that's this is the kind of fighting that they had afterwards. That's it's very true. Okay, so, like I said before in response to Neek's question, um, Bloom is right, Grossman is right in their analysis of what's going on. They miss the big picture because they're a part of the system. We have the answer because we understand the fatherhood of God and the authority of God and the proper spheres in which that authority is to be exercised. So what are we supposed to do? This really is for fathers of, uh, of university students. It's also for you guys who are students. What are we supposed to do? Where, where does this leave us? Just abandon college altogether, forget it.
2: Maintain a relationship even after college starts.
0: What do you mean maintain a relationship? Well,
2: you Well, know, when, when you leave home,
0: you don't need, you're not really leaving home. You're, you're physically leaving home, but you still have a family. And when your kids are leaving... So don't delegate your parental responsibilities to any educational institution. You're responsible for the education of your children. You can delegate that responsibility in some respects to others who can teach your kids things that you can't, but you're still ultimately responsible for their development as kids, right? Or at this point they're adults. Okay, that's a good application. That's a good Anyone thought. One
1: is Having come from a Christian college myself, realizing that there, in some respects they aren't any better. Um, in some respects they are, but in some respects they're not. Namely, one example would be that in terms of you're talking about how you know every educational institution has goals for how it wants to shape its students and even Christian institutions have agendas that don't always line up biblically. And so, for example, I went to Taylor, and there are a lot of good things about Taylor, and I enjoyed my experience there. Um, But there are things, you know, social justice and these hot topics and hot uh, popular things in the evangelical world that uh, draw people away from scripture and away from Christ and attach them to some movement
0: that what's the bigger picture then what's the bigger picture what's really ideologically behind that can you get there yeah
1: I mean I think just I don't, I don't think where are going
3: what did you say? Other goals besides God. There's a subversion of mission by people who have other agendas.
0: I, I, think it's the same. I think it's the same fundamental principle. Can't we all just get along?
1: Yeah. Well, in getting away from the hard, meaty aspects of the Christian life and towards something that gives you a...
0: Everybody can accept. Forward, yeah. Something that everybody can accept be happy with that the
1: world looks at
0: you kind of favorably well. doing
1: good things there.
0: yeah there are two there are two things I would say um, uh, to fathers of college-aged kids um, and that is or fathers of kids in general and that's to cultivate biblical goals in your children and have biblical goals for your children for yourself. Cultivate biblical goals in your children. The goal of the education of your son and daughter must be clear. A godly young man needs to prepare himself to provide for a family and to subdue and cultivate the earth. A godly young woman needs to prepare herself to be a help to her husband and to raise her children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yeah, Rob? Dad, that's enough. thinking like Africa. that. They're
1: not thinking like that. They're right. not thinking, especially for daughters, you know, they're pushing the so young women for excellence. Curaids. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You know, my sister is there right now, and, you know, I've heard talk from her like that, you know, go to Africa. And,
0: and it sounds really great. Save
1: the world, you know, it's like, that's what they're trying to do is shape the young women into excellence pursuers rather than got to
0: Exactly. A godly young man. Yeah, Caleb, you wanna contribute? Go ahead. Slightly
3: different
0: topic. Okay, well let me stick with that and then we'll uh, we'll get to you. A godly young man needs to prepare himself to provide for his family and to subdue the earth. A godly young woman needs to prepare herself to be a help to her husband and to raise her children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and an education. Can serve those ends. Even a secular one can. But it has to be undertaken with eyes open. And the question needs to be asked should I even go to college? Should my daughter go to college and face those dangers and take on debt in the process? Does that serve those ends? But regardless, you do not let the college, the secular college, set the agenda for your kids. And you as a student do not let the university you attend set your agenda. Your agenda comes from God. You just take what you you need from them. You set the agenda. Or rather, God sets the agenda and you submit to His agenda and not theirs. Second thing I would say is this, do not pick a college, pick a church, don't pick a Christian college, pick a church, because character formation is more important, more foundational and frankly a stronger indicator of future success. Your children, or you as a university student, need fathers and mothers who will care for you, who will shepherd you, who will help you as you navigate university life. As you grow up into maturity as a godly man or a godly woman. Or as your son or daughter does. So pick a church. And pick a church that's willing to fight for your kids. By fighting the idols of the university, pick a church that's willing to mix it up, that's not committed to going along to getting along in their university community. Pick a church that has shepherds that are willing to die hard deaths for your kids. Yeah, Eric? There should be a
2: list of such churches, one for each college.
0: There should be. No, I haven't... I wish I, I wish I, I did. I wish I did have one. I, you know, I, often when we have students that do go away, um, you know, they're either going to West Lafayette, you know, here in Indiana, they're going to West Lafayette, or they're going maybe to Terre Haute or up to Indianapolis. Indianapolis, I've got a list.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, uh, and. Um, you know, there are, I think, two, one or two churches in West Lafayette that our students usually end up at when they go there. Um, I know that some students have considered going down to Evansville, and I, t- I actually told them not to. I'm from Evansville. I just said, I recommend that you not consider Evansville. If you're looking at USI, University of Southern Indiana, Evansville is just a barren land spiritually. I don't think there is a good church down there. There's one church. I can tell you the, I could tell you the church that I would go to. It would be Faith Bible Church. Um, that would be the most likely church I would go to in Evansville.. Um, but listen, we have to think biblically, and we have to think about what's most important. And there are some risks that simply aren't worth taking. And there are some steps that aren't worth taking. Yeah, go ahead. I would add,
3: what's uh, your name? Mal Gibson. I, I <laughs> add, Wait, what's uh, your name? Yeah, Mal Gibson.
0: Okay. I, I know I Just so everybody knows, and for posterity's sake, if anybody, all two of you who all time listen to this online, Mal Gibson is in here asking me a question. Yes.
3: <laughs> and I'm not going to go into a rage. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, You know, as a pastor, I think it would be helpful that uh, churches provide a curriculum uh, for their teens that ground them in biblical truth, teach them a Christian worldview, how to think biblically, because uh, so many of these youth programs today are just socializing. It's all about fun and games, and we're not preparing them for the assault they're going to face. At a secular
0: university. Absolutely. And if I had my druthers, I would have been addressing a room full of youth pastors and just berating them. Um, I think youth pastors are, are the arch nemesis of college pastors and college churches who care for... Students, because what they do, I think what most youth programs end up doing, and there are great exceptions all over the place, but I think what most youth programs end up doing is setting kids up to fall at college. Absolutely, just setting them up to fall at college. Is it
3: usually just like a personality
0: cult of the cool youth pastor that all the kids? Yeah, and they have their own little parachurch thing inside their church, and it's fun and games. And it's a big setup to go and move on to a stupid, bubbly campus ministry that has nothing for them. They don't do any work of discipling and training their kids for what's going to happen when they get to school. Or cultivating in them a love for the church and those who will care for them, those who will be uh, the kinds of people they need to turn to for help and guidance once they get to school
3: major attack, as I see it, uh, Paul says in First Corinthians eight that knowledge puffs up
0: and love builds so, up. So
3: immediately they're going to be like you just said; they're going to be told now you're going to be enlightened. That's right. Now you're going to get real truth uh, indoctrination,
0: and, uh, and we're going to teach you to we're going to you're going to be so enlightened that you're going to outgrow.
3: That's right. Open-minded.
0: Yeah. Tolerant. You're going to transcend your menial background in the in the backwaters of Indiana or wherever you're from. Oh, where are you a pastor at? Connorsville, Indiana. In Connorsville, okay. Very good. I'm a
3: pastor of Stevens um, Stephen's parents.
0: There you go. I would so that's a PCA church up yeah. there? Okay. That's right. In okay. Cool. I know who you are now. Kind of. <laughs> I have uh, What I when I say kind of, what I meant to say, what I meant was, I don't. Know, I don't have any. It's not like people talk about you. I just know that Pastor Baker's parents go uh, to a PCA church up around there. So, all right, um, how much time do we have left? What time am I supposed to be done?
1: Two.
2: Ten so, I got 10
0: minutes. Can I make it? Yeah. In terms of
2: preparing for the assault that's coming, mm-hmm. um, and kind of in contradiction to knowledge puffs up, I've taught my kids from very young about what the theory of evolution means because that was how I was attacked mm-hmm. going up and told them that. I've looked into this, and I know the holes that are in that theory, and I know mm-hmm. all the, the skeletons in the closet that, that I try and expose them to, to say, you know, this is not the, the full-blown, all the scientists agree with it. Mm-hmm. I'm a scientist. I don't agree with it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. can
2: ask me so that, that we can get this conversation going. And I try to
0: maintain that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think that Mal would disagree. I don't think that's a contradiction actually at all. I think that a well-discipled, well-trained, thinking Christian young man or woman is going to go to college and not be threatened by anything that's thrown in their face. And uh, and I don't think we have to be threatened by evolutionary theory or whatever you know i had a i had a a professor at iu uh, when i was there when i was a student he was the the department chair of geology he was from india he was a geologist um, and he actually the class was called theory of the earth it was in some kind of honors seminar or honors colloquium or whatever it is that we do at iu and he just came out and he said you know what this was towards the end of the class after we, we'd gone through it all he said you know what in the end, the rock record does not bear out evolution at all. In fact, it contradicts it. Um, he said, uh, Darwin, Darwinian evolution is the sacred cow of Western science. I'm a, an Eastern scientist, so I don't have to subscribe to it. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. He said, This is the way that science works you operate on a paradigm. And you operate on the best paradigm that we have in our time. And this is it. Evolution is it. It's the best paradigm we have. And the only alternative is to believe in God. So as a scientist, I'm committed as a matter of principle to subscribing to evolution until it's finally displaced with something that works. Um, but I know the holes in it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, Not borne out by the rock record. So he just says this in class to us. Just completely free, completely liberated to say that. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's what I thought. You know? And he had more in his rant about... uh, He actually talked about in his rant about... And think about this. This is an Indian professor saying, saying... And this is a quote that Darwinian... Evolution is, a sacred, is the sacred cow. Sacred cow. This is an Indian. The sacred cow of American science. Or no, Western science. Western science. And he, he went on to connect it to a, 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 a personal need to reject Christianity. To throw off the Christian roots of the West. So, I, you know, if I get a If I get an atheistic department chair saying that kind of thing as a sophomore, I think, in college, it was pretty liberating and helpful to me Um, as a new Christian then. It was like that uh, one professor, I forgot where, where it was, but he was
3: in one moment intellectually honest and said, bottom line, I don't want there to be a God because I know what that means.
0: Yeah, and you'll have uh, among different professors uh, different varying degrees of honesty in their attack on God and in their attack on the fatherhood of God and in, in their attack on the authority of, uh, uh, of Scripture. So I had a professor that just said from the... Uh, I was a religious studies major. I had a professor who said from the outset of uh, his class that there are a few things that he delights more than causing uh, conservative Christians to have crises of faith. Just said it. I wrote that quote down, and I've repeated it so much that it's memorized. It's a direct quote. I have it in a notebook somewhere from college. Caleb, you were going to say something earlier. Did you you still have a thought? Yeah,
3: just the philosophy that I have had for a long time, it took me years to put it into words, but very succinctly it's Don't let your schooling get in the way of your education.
0: It's Mark Twain, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good quote. Someone from Mark Twain yesterday said, that's pretty normal. He said, don't don't argue with with
1: stupid people because
0: they'll drag you down to your level, to their level, and then beat you with experience. Clever, godless man, <laughs> Paul. You were getting ready to say something too. Yeah, um, these
2: these types of threatening attacks are, or there's potential for that in any discipline. I mean, uh, we think a lot of science or maybe philosophical things, but I, I've heard recently a lot more about humanities. Oh yeah. How there's some major cultural disruptions. That of So college students can see this in any discipline. From any
0: professor. Yeah, well, education's holistic, and if you're going to impart a worldview to a student, you know, that worldview informs everything. It informs the whole curriculum. You can get it in mat- basic math class, and you can get it in. You're certainly going to get it in comparative lit. <laughs> a lot of you know, that's yeah. I think something uh, that's also important to do is, along with uh, warning this children to be uh, you know, wary of all the things they're going to be assaulted with, um, is at the same time encouraging them, if they go into that, to be hardworking and good at what they do. Because then, uh, I think it's possible to you know, go to school and then see all the, the the crap that's happening, and then become like, wait, you know, I'm, I'm like just going to blow it all off. Yeah, yeah, like, s- screw this, I'm not, you know, and then the natural laziness is just going to be, I'm not going to class, they're godless you find a theological justification right. for your laziness exactly. yeah yeah, that was actually that was me in college um. uh, I think we need to wrap things up well, we've got four minutes my goodness we can milk it for all it's worth if there's any other- oh hands go up yeah Eric
3: well, yeah, just, if you want to set up a website uh, saying which college you're good to go to I'll host it and even anonymously say that Evansville is a spiritual wasteland. Sure. So I'm not curious about that. Just like I'd like there to be, I think there ought to be a, a site for uh, when I go to visit uh, Cleveland, what church I ought to go to. And I have no idea. You can't tell the old pages. And
1: yeah.
3: Yes. You need a, a Jake's list of churches. <laughs> <laughs> there is a site in England, actually, for English that. churches. <laughs> so they do reviews of churches this is in a way. Wow. Uh, a, England, the uh, Ship of Fools. They had anonymous reviewers that go around and rate the music, and whether uh, uh, people are friendly
0: and things like that. Yeah, my <laughs> the the problem with with, <coughs> with doing something like that is, man, how much can you know about a church without being a part of it? You know, w- w- so what are your standards going to be?
3: Yeah, I, I say. You know, yeah,
2: you're
0: I know. Solo,
3: you're in the rest of us, so. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So but but I mean I can just imagine very I mean, can't you imagine uh, you know, a rating service that goes around and evaluates the music, evaluates the preaching, so evaluates if you're
1: the, we'd
0: be rate
2: sensitive. If you think music is important,
0: don't But but pastoral care, how are you gonna quantify that for a church you've never been to? Well you only have at the very best, testimony of people Flash you might person. know, and right? And
2: you know a lot more than somebody who's had zero people. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: All right, well, K- Caleb, you were going to. You know, this is a
3: whole different rabbit trail, just something to, to think about. But um, at least from what I see of IU, of higher education is one of the things that we export a lot of. Uh-huh. In other words, we've got a, a big percentage of international students. And I'm just thinking, how does all this apply to students coming from the other side of the world who have a, a completely different cultural background?
0: Um, well, I, I think the goals remain the same for international students, to westernize them into... Uh, relativistic, pluralistic secularism. I think the university is largely successful in that and you see that in the number of students who become westernized. They just swallow it whole while they're here and want to stay and do their own thing. Um, So uh, I don't think I think that um, we live in such a global age that The world is, um, in many respects, culturally homogenizing. It's far from being homogenous, but I think it is homogenizing. Um, When I can go to uh, another city a thousand miles away, and people like the same things and watch the same TV shows and use the same vernacular and you know it's pretty telling, um, but but I, I think that the I think that uh, the university is a, a homogenizing institution too, um, and is intended to be for all the talk of diversity, um, it's really homogeneity that that is. Uh, at the core of their goals. Um, any last thoughts or questions? Elliot, why haven't you said anything? And who's your friend? I'm Scott. Hi, Scott. He's going to be in my roommate next year. <coughs> cool. Actually,
2: on the note of a good church, now that you mention it, I'm going one time. Um, we did pick a church when we went down to Nashville. So, your counsel wasn't wasted. We picked the wrong one, though. Um, uh, I went to... Not, it, wasn't, it wasn't a bad church, but I'm going to a better one now. And so, I, yeah, how much can you know from one visit? It took me two or three visits and one of my friends convicting me that it wasn't the right church before I, before I decided to look around. And I'm glad that I ended up at a different church, which I never would have thought the visit hadn't heard of. It wasn't in the Nashville, wasn't in near Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah.
2: It's the kind of thing that was pretty obviously not us choosing a church. It was, it was. I mean, it was providential.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, this is a tension that I feel. Um, if I'm sending students away to college, I you know I, I want to tell them to be very careful and take their time, in 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 choosing a church. Spend a lot of time going and visiting before you. Before you get there, um, and don't be afraid to to turn around and leave after three months or six months, before. after a, or after a year, or after four years. Which is how long, how long you've been here? Is that what you said? Yeah. Well,
2: we're already members.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've been here for a while. Um, four years is a long time. What you don't want to do is uh, is be. Uh, uh, somebody who doesn't put their roots down. If you want to grow in college, you need to put your roots down in a church. You need to take your time to find a good church, but you need to put your roots down, and you need to grow where you've been planted. And you can't bounce around. The
2: other thing, so, the other thing I would say is, as bad, I mean, as poisonous as a bad campus ministry can be, having a good one is really nice.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I think
2: it's very nice to have a good campus ministry. And they exist. Good. It's not—it's not as necessary as it is to have a good church, but it's certainly nice
0: to have. Yeah, So long as you treat it like a campus ministry and not like a church, um, which would be the other thing. You know, the, there are just so many different things to say about about these kinds of things, but—but but yeah. Um, of course, students come to to IU. We just. Uh, I'm just trying to convince them to not bother going anywhere else, just stay here. I let them. You know. I'm always encouraged when I get the rare student who is like, yeah, I'm here, I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks, And but there are a couple of other ministries and churches that I really want to check out too. It's encouraging to me that at least they're thinking. You know, Whether or not they're evaluating things well is one thing, but. they're off to a good start by trying to evaluate. (laughs) Um, Well, I meant to start with uh, prayer and reading a scripture. Um, So I'll close with it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray.